Today, the message is entitled, Are You Ready to Exercise? I'm not getting too many takers. Are you ready to exercise? (laughs) Oh, some people are really getting honest going, no. Well, really the message is about obedience because just as exercise is needed for a healthy body, so obedience is needed for a healthy soul. And so we're going to look at that today. It's really the fourth chapter coming out of the book that we're going through called Living and Changed Life. And this was a a very interesting chapter because some of the source material that I was using didn't really include anything about obedience in their discipleship uh, process. There was really nothing stated. And as I was was walking through uh, how how to write the book, really the Lord really hit me hard. It said, no, there's something about, and I was following the natural progression of being born and breathing, which relates to prayer and eating, which relates to the Word of God, and exercise that as we normally born into this world, what do we do? We start crawling and walking and eventually run sometimes trip and fall. But I, I, as, I, as I looked at this, I said, it really does need to be a chapter on exercise, which equates to obedience. So that's what is happening today. As we look at, the, at obedience, the, uh, uh, the word um, is it's really a, a great word that we'll get into for a few moments. But I was thinking about exercise and what does exercise in the natural, how does it benefit us? What's the purpose? We know it does. And sometimes we put it off, but it does benefit us. Uh, If you go in and check it out, you'll find like uh, most often it will say it fights off diseases. Well, that's a great thing when we exercise properly. It allows us to think clearer. Well, that's great because so we can think clear that our minds doesn't get clogged up. It actually, when we exercise, puts us in a better mood. I don't know if you call this exercise. I got my hair cut on Thursday night. I'm always in a better mood after I get my hair cut. I don't know what it is, but uh, it's not exercise, but I just get in a better mood when I get my hair cut. It, uh, it says that it also uh, relieves our aches and pains. So you got a lot of aches and pains, maybe you need to start exercising. And then, depending on what you do, it can actually be kind of fun. Exercise fun? Sure. Exercise is a great thing. It can be fun. When uh, my wife and I were at uh, Oral Roberts University, we were, we were studying, and they actually had built into their their, uh, their studies, you had to take an uh, exercise class every quarter. Everybody in the whole school had to participate, and you had to exercise. It was on your own as an honor system, but then at every quarter, you had to pass this proficiency test, they called it, uh, where you, were, you had to run three miles in a certain period of time, and that was the test. And so, uh, yeah, we, you know, obviously we exercised and we were able to accomplish that because we're fairly fit people. But that was built into their understanding that we are, we are people that is body, soul, and spirit, and each one of those domains needs to remain healthy. And they, uh, they uh, put that into their, their curriculum. Well, again, our day is, the, the, our time today is not necessarily focused on exercise of the body as much as it is obedience for the soul. Now some of you are going to get really happy because I have a reading today from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And you're going to be pretty excited because you remember back your liturgical days, you always had an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading. So you're going to feel right at home today. Well, don't get used to it, right? In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to mess you up right away because I'm going to start in the New Testament and go back to the Old. They would never do that. They always start in the Old and go back to the New. So, but today we're going to start in the New Testament and go back. The reason I'm doing that is because I want to stay in Deuteronomy chapter 4 for a while 
in the message. But in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus concludes the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, he really talks about obedience. He says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the road. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Now why did it have its foundation on the rock? Because verse 24 sees everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Therefore there was a strong foundation. Jesus continues on. He says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. What's the difference? Both heard. One put it into practice. Now that's an... The New Testament. That's how Jesus concluded his Sermon on the Mount with those words. Now we go back to the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 4. And we read about how Jesus looked at the significance of obedience in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 4 beginning at verse 1. Here, now here, O Israel, the decrees and laws I'm about to teach. Follow them so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, your, the, that the, Lord the God of your fathers is giving you. Do not add to what I've commanded you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I gave you. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed Baal Peor. All of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God has commanded me so that you may follow him in the land you are entering and take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. Let me read that again. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding in the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them on the, the, the way the Lord your God is near us? Whenever we pray to him, and whatever nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you. Verse 9, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children and after them. What a great word this morning and reminder that God loves obedience. And so we're going to look at that today as our topic. Number one, to exercise our faith in Christ means to obey him. To exercise our faith in Christ means to obey him. Jesus told the people who had faith in him, if you keep on obeying what I have said, you are truly my disciples. How would you characterize a disciple of Jesus? The word of God says a disciple of Jesus is one that obeys him. Would you have characterized being a disciple of Christ that way? 
That's how the Bible characterizes disciples, as those who obey him. And then Jesus followed on after the verse I read. He said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So first of all, we have to follow him, know his commands, follow him, and then we'll know the truth, and the truth will set us free. We'll walk in freedom of that. I found the two words that are translated obedience, one in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for obey, and then in the New Testament, the word for obey in the New Testament. I want to look at those and so that we can gain something from us. The Hebrew word obey means to listen or hear the voice of. Listen or hear the voice of. The Hebrew people, they had this prayer declaration. They called the Shema. I don't know if you've ever heard that, the Shema. And really what that is, it's a verse that's written in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. And they would say that. That was their prayer. But really the word Shema is the word hear, which means obey. So we could equally say, obey the Lord your God, because he is one God. We could interchange that out. We understand that today, if you tell one of your children, listen to me, what do you mean? Obey me, right? Or did you hear me? I mean, we're, we expect that the person is going to do what we said. So we have that understanding in our own culture that the words hear and listen actually mean, are you going to do it? Are you going to obey? Are you going to carry through with what I've asked you to do? So that's kind of the Hebrew understanding of the word obey. Now the first mention of obey in the Old Testament actually came about in Genesis 22. The story is Abraham taking his one and only son Isaac up to the mountain to be sacrificed. It's something that didn't make any sense to him, but he's clearly obeying the Lord. And he's taken his one and only son up to the mountain. He starts to raise the knife to kill him, and God stops him and said, I just tested you just to see if you were willing to obey me. And Abraham did all the way to the end. And so he stopped him in his tracks with the knife in the air. And, and uh, then the Lord responds to Abram as a result of his obedience and in Genesis 22, 15 through 18, it says this. The Lord's messenger called out to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I give you my word as the Lord because you did this and didn't hold back your son, your only son. And here's the results. I will bless you richly. I will give you countless descendants, as many as the stars in the sky and the grains of the sand on the seashore, and they will conquer their enemies' cities. And all the nations of the earth will be blessed because of your descendants because you obeyed me. There's this association between obedience and blessing from the Lord. The second time the word obedience is mentioned in the Old Testament is in Genesis 27. This time it's not obeying God, it's actually a parent speaking to a child saying do this, but yet that parent was flowing in the, the wisdom and understanding of God and as it was passed down from God to the parent and the child obeyed, blessing followed. The example is um, Rebecca and Isaac and Esau, two twins that were vying for the blessing of their father. And it shouldn't have turned out that way, but God decided that he wanted to give Jacob the younger the blessing and not Esau the older. That was God's decision. And so it came up time for this to take place. And, 
and Rebekah, his mother, overheard her husband, Isaac, say what he wanted in order to pronounce the blessing over his oldest son. And of course, God set it up and said, no, it's not to be. The younger son is to get it. And again, we have this word obey mentioned here, except it comes through Rebekah. Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, now I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing and the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. There's the word obey. Listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out and find the flock and bring the two young goats so that I can prepare tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. And then take it to your father and eat so that he may give you the blessing before he dies. There's the end of the story. Well, it's not the end of the story, but it gets complicated after that. But Jacob received the blessing of his father and not Esau. But it came about because Rebekah spoke to him and he honored his mother's uh, direction. And as a result, he received the blessing of the Lord. So blessing comes to us through obedience two ways. One is direct from God. And second of all, blessing comes through us through obeying God-appointed people in our lives. And it can happen both ways, not just direct from God, but also through others that the Lord has brought into our life. Now, the Greek understanding of the word obey is a little bit similar, but a little bit different. This one says obey means to hear beneath of. The, little, the, the translation there or the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the meaning of the, the word um, obey in Greek means to hear beneath of. A little bit different angle. What this means is you actually put yourself under either God or someone else that's under God. You actually put yourself under them and you obey them, obey God, or obey the person that's under God. And as a result, blessing comes into your life. Let me read a couple of scriptures here that, uh, that kind of illustrate that. John chapter 14, 23, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And my Father will love them, and he will come into them and make our home with them. And so we see in this passage that anyone who loves the Father and obeys his teaching, what will happen? He says, my Father will love you, and we'll come in and we'll have great fellowship together. That's a blessing, to have fellowship with God. Here's another one in Romans chapter 5, verse 19. Paul says, for just as through the disobedience... Of one man, many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, many were made righteous. Lots of times we don't think about the fact that Jesus, when he went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin, was actually just obeying God. He was obeying the Father. I mean, he was willingly doing that. And sometimes we don't think about it that way, that this scripture points out how much Jesus obeyed his father and as a result of that brought blessing to us. I like James, the half-brother of Jesus. He says it clear, he says it concise, and he says it hard-hitting. James 1, 22 through 25 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? So if we merely listen to the word and don't do anything with it, we're actually going to deceive ourselves. That's what James says. That's really, really powerful. But he says, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not 
do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, and Jesus is the perfect law, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and, listen to this, and continues to, not just once, but continues to look into the mirror of Jesus. It says, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, lots of times we don't associate obedience with blessing. I think our culture has perhaps polluted the word. Because we see obedience as some kind of control. Or somebody above us getting what they want through us and out of us. And yet the word of God teaches us that when we put ourselves under obedience, that blessing comes. Peace comes. Unity comes. And so we live in a culture today that has kind of polluted that word and we have to come back to the word of God to understand it so that we can then walk in the blessings intended for that word. Exercise obedience. Number two, what are the benefits of obedience? What are the benefits? Deuteronomy 4, the uh, chapter I read out of here opening up, Deuteronomy 4, 5 and 6. says, See, I have taught you decrees... And laws as the Lord my God commanded me. Observe them carefully, for this will show you wisdom and understanding to the nations. Have you ever equated obedience with wisdom and understanding? That's what the Bible says it is. As we obey the Lord, people actually look at us and our lives and they say, You have wisdom and understanding. Where did you get that? I got it because I'm following the Lord. And so that's how we should see obedience in that light. You know, we, we live in a day and time that where uh, things are being handed down, mandates in various places, whether it's business or government or medical or even the church. Mandates are being handed down and people were just expected to follow those mandates without first asking, is this a mandate or a rule or a law that comes from the Lord? Now, some of times we can actually do something about it, and other times we have to assess, God, how do you want me to respond? We do discover things that are being handed down to us are not of the Lord. And we've been challenged with that the last uh, couple of years when those things have happened. And we really need to stay close to the Lord to be able to have the strength to sometimes stand up and other times to, to again, walk through those circumstances even when the mandates are there. And not just happened in the government or business or, or medical. I mean, it happened in the church. There are lots of people that, I talked with a guy recently this week, and he said, I was going to a church, and he said, I don't know what happened. They just shut down. And, and for a long time, he said, I didn't know where to go, and my family was just wandering around from place to place saying, who's open so we can go to worship? And so it wasn't just in the church. It was happening all across the board. These things were, were taking place in and, and we have to stop and assess what the Lord is saying. And we have to honor him. And then he gives us wisdom and understanding how to walk through our situations and circumstances. And he will do it. He has a way through those things that seem complicated to us. And, and he, will, he will certainly walk us through that. But we have to understand that sometimes, you know, God works through other authorities as well. Uh, the Lord has been speaking to me about drinking more water at work, so 
I said, well, I'd like to have a nice water bottle. I said, uh, you know, I could bring in a mason jar, but that's not that cool. Um, so I went to the store and I started looking for water bottles. And, and I was, I, first of all, I was really appalled that they cost so much. It's like, wow, these things are expensive. I just, I just want a container to hold water, you know, look nice. And I happened to look up on the shelf and I saw this bottle and it was, it was really nice. Uh, I still like it. And uh, it was $5. I was like, nah, that's my price. So I pulled it off the shelf and looked at it and thought, this is nice. I went up and scanned it, came up 21. I was like, bummer. So I asked the lady, as she was there as a the self-checkout, I was like, you know, I really don't want this. I wasn't wanting to pay that much. She said, uh, I'll give it to you for that. I said, wait a minute. You can't do that. I said, I know what happened. Somebody put it on the wrong shelf when they put it back. I, that's what's going on. I was being honest about the whole thing. You know, somebody pulled it off the 21 and they put it on the five and I picked it up five, think it was, think it was five. It didn't say anything else on the... So um, she said, um, okay. She said, you want to split the difference? I said, uh, no, I don't think it's worth it for me to split the difference. She said, I'll give it to you for five. I said, uh, okay, it's on your conscience and not on mine. <laughs> I got it for five. And they probably still, they, the store probably still made money at five. <laughs> yeah. Obeying God's word puts you under authority. Obeying God's word puts you under authority. And that's, that's a great thing because that's where the blessings come from. We, you know, today what happens is, and it's a part of, of just the product of the flesh, we want to put ourselves under our own authority. We think that's the part of being free and being strong, to be under our own authority. But according to the Bible, when we do that, then we're responsible for our own, um, you know, what comes. But when you put yourself under another authority, like God and others that are under God, then what happens is that they're the ones that decide the blessings that come. I don't decide, I put myself under authority and then as a result of that the blessings come because somebody else decided it for me. And that's very different from how we see obedience in our culture today. We think that it's proper to do what we want. But really what we're saying is that then we, you know, we accept whatever comes. And I'm not necessarily interested in living that way. I want to live, live in a way that, that God is pleased and happy and that others that I served with, that we have harmony and unity together. And, uh, you know, we work that out in a, in a setting, and it's important. But I think it's uh, for us to, uh, to recognize that, according to this Greek word, when we put ourselves under somebody, then we get the blessings that they say come from that. And that's, uh, we, don't, we don't often, often think that way. Uh, two examples that uh, I think of. One is out of the Old Testament. Again, I'm in this Old New Testament bouncing back. I like it this morning. But uh, Nahum was an army officer. And I don't know if you've served in the army or been around, but army people, they're usually like, <clears throat> you know, I'm going to do this myself. I don't care what anybody thinks. That's kind of the mentality. And of course, you need that kind in order to accomplish what you need to accomplish out there on a mission. But Nahum was an army officer and he had leprosy. He couldn't do anything about leprosy. He couldn't get rid of it. And there was a Jewish girl that said, if you go to the prophet, he'll heal you. 
And so it got this, you know, strong army officer's attention. And he went and found, the first he went to the king, and the king couldn't heal him. And so then he found Elijah. And let me just read, read the story, because it's really, really a fascinating story about uh, how he didn't want to obey what God's word said. Here it is. Nahum went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elijah's house. Elijah sent a messenger to him and said, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Nahum went away angry. He said, I thought surely he would come out and stand up and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not, and he names two rivers where he lives, Aren't they cleaner than the river in the Jordan? That's a dirty river. So he turned and he went off in a rage. He's not willing to obey. Well, thank God he had some servants that said, Master, I think you need to reconsider. Nahum's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you to wash and be clean? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became became clean like that of a young boy. Naaman said to all his attendants and went back to the man of God and stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. There's a man that said, I don't want to obey God. But his servants appealed to him and said, why don't you at least try it? (laughs) I know you're mad about it. You thought that you didn't get the, the recognition you deserved. Why don't we just simply try it? See what happens. And obviously God said, this is going to happen. Dipped seven times, came out clear. The other examples in Matthew chapter 8 with the centurion again another soldier and he had a servant that was ill and he asked Jesus to come and heal his servant and Jesus said he would and then on the way of Jesus coming he sent word and said listen I don't deserve you to come under my roof and there's there's a whole cultural story about why he said that but this army officer said Jesus is all you have to do is say the word and I know my servant will be healed and Jesus went wow I have never seen this in my life. I've never seen such great faith. And he asked the guy, he said, why did you say that? He said, oh, oh, clearly, he said, because I have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch out some words here, because I have put myself under the obedience of my superior officer, and I recognize that when I tell those under me to obey me, they do it and they go, and I understand the blessing of being in that flow, and I get it. And so I know that you're of God and you're in the flow of God. That Therefore, whatever you say, you don't have to be here. Whatever you say, it'll happen. Amen. And so this servant understood obedience. We call it authority, but really he understood obedience. And as a result of that, his servant was healed. So they supply the benefits of your obedience. That's good news, isn't it? Not up to us. God supplies the benefits of our obedience. I was, uh, uh, there was a, a young man who was teaching middle schoolers in my previous church, and 
he was given a lesson to teach, and because he was a teacher himself, he would always change the lesson. And he, he was complaining, this is too much work, I'm always having to change the lesson to fit the students. And God began to speak to him and said, you know what, the people that wrote these lessons, they know middle schoolers. They, they, they understood perfectly how to reach middle schoolers. You're changing it up all the time. And the Lord just came in on him, and he, he was telling me about this later, and and I said, so what'd you do? He said, the next Sunday, I went and I took the lesson exactly how it was written and I taught it to the kids. And at the end of the class, a child accepted Jesus. So he just decided to submit to the, the, the leaders that had written the lesson. And as a result of that, God brought blessing into the classroom. Amazing. I, I would tend to be like that guy. And so uh, that was a, a great lesson for me to hear for myself. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2 records, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands, I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. I think this is really, really powerful when we begin to understand. I'm going to read a few more uh, here. But Obedience brings blessing, peace, and unity. Obedience brings blessing, peace, and unity. Let me continue reading here in Deuteronomy, starting at 3. You will be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land and the young of your livestock. The calves of your, the calves of your herd and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket, your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and you will be blessed when you go out. And the Lord will grant that your enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction but flee from you in seven the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and everything you put your hand to do. The Lord will bless you in the land he has given you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him. Then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground, and the land that he swore to your ancestors to give. The Lord will open up the heavens and the storehouse of his bounty to send rain in your, on your land in the season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations but borrow from none. The Lord will make you... The, the Lord will make you... To be the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of these commands I give you today, to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. Wow, what a power-packed uh, um, list of blessings. Again, it boils down to obedience. So what opposes our obedience? What are the things that stand in the way? When I wrote chapter 4, I, uh, I had two of these. And, and the third one 
really is one that I feel like the Holy Spirit just came on me in the spot. Obviously, I was using some source material, but it, uh, it really came to make clear what these two opposition to obedience that are very prominent in our lives, what they actually, what the enemy intends to do in the end. So we'll get there. Number three, what opposes our obedience? We see the first thing listed there is external distractions. External distractions. We live in a world full of technology and social media and media in general. It's not uncommon to walk into a restaurant and see a TV on every wall and one on your table. And so we live in a distracted culture today. And I'm not saying those things are bad, but how are we managing them? Are we being distracted to the level that keeps us being focused upon the very thing that God wants us to focus on? Social media has probably done more damage to our relationships than it has to keep us connected. Uh, the, the things that we have said to each other over social media, we would never say to someone's face. And so we have to wade through these things that are meant to be a blessing, and yet sometimes they get used in the opposite direction of what they were intended for. And they become external distraction for us that can lead us away from obeying the word of the Lord. Deuteronomy, again, talks about that. It says, be careful, 4.23, be careful not to, to, not to forget the covenant of the Lord your God he made with you. Do not make for yourselves an idol in any form of anything the Lord your God has forbidden. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God, and after you have had children and grandchildren and have lived in the land a long time, then you, if you then become corrupt and make any other kind of idol, doing evil in the sight of the Lord your God, arousing his anger. So God's not pleased when we have external distractions that are taking us away from the main thing. And it can be anything. It can be anything in our lives. We have to assess that. The second thing that can affect us in not obeying is internal offenses. We live in a cancel culture today. When we disagree with somebody, we cancel their friendship rather than sit down with them and talk about our differences of where we agree and where we don't and leave a friend's but we never get to that place. It's happening all over, even in the church world. People were saying, oh, you don't have that doctrine. I don't have this doctrine. We can't be friends. And they sever the relationship. We are in a, an extremely high offense-taking culture today. And we as God's people have to recognize that and to realize that that's the enemy's plan all the way along. He wants you to get all offended up so that you don't obey him. Now, as a result of external distractions and internal offenses, and in the book I go into uh, offenses in, in three different ways. We get offended, so you might, if you don't have one, pick one up. If you're going to study it this week, study it, because they are real factors. And as we, as we, uh, these two things, basically, that stop us from obeying God, what's the purpose of the enemy? Is he wants to shift our heart. External offenses and external distractions and internal offenses. His goal is to shift our heart away from honoring God first. That's his goal. And his desire is that we would chase after other things rather than follow him. And we have to recognize that. And so, again, if you've got those piled up in your heart, sign up for Free Me Day. It's coming up on Saturday. 
We do those every six months. Not that we don't do other freedom stuff in between time, but every six months we'll do a free mini day. So it's coming up this Saturday. And again, if you've got a lot of things accumulated in your life, don't miss this opportunity. That's my commercial plug because it's important. So what happens is we have a heart shift. And that's the enemy's plan to ultimately shift you away from the Lord. A couple of scriptures there that uh, bear that out. One is Deuteronomy 4.9. He says this, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen, nor let them fade from your heart as long as you live. So God brings a caution to those of us that are living. And then Proverbs 4 23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do in life flows from it. Everything you do in life flows from your heart. So therefore, watch out what is coming into it, because it will affect you. The external distractions and the internal offenses will keep you from obeying God. Number four, are you ready to exercise obedience? Now that we understand what it is, I'm in. <laughs> I, I look for opportunity, again, to honor the Lord and obey Him because of the blessings and the peace and the unity that comes as a result of that. I'm ready to obey the Lord. Psalm 19, and uh, I kind of, I think I shortened this verse so much it doesn't make sense. So let me, let me kind of read the, the longer version so it makes sense to you. In Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11, and this is in the contemporary English Bible, it says, Honoring the Lord is correct, lasting forever. The Lord's judgments are true. All of these are righteous. And verse 11 says, No doubt about it. Your servant is enlightened by them, and there is great reward in keeping them. That's what the Word of God says about obeying. That there's great reward there's in, and we're enlightened by them. So as we look at this uh, obedience time, I think we have to ask the question, do we have currently external, <clears throat> external things in our life, external distractions that are keeping us from obeying the Lord and something we know we should be participating or doing in and we're not because of all the other things that we are being distracted about around us? We have to ask that question. Amen. You know, it's so easy, even, even what happened with the churches closing and, 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 and people uh, uncertain about uh, how to navigate through all the rules and regulations. People just got out of the habit of attending church. And they, now, you know, I praise God for live stream. I love that for people that are scattered across the states and even around the world. Dennis would tune in from Haiti to see what's going across her. It's, I love that, but in the, it's no substitute for locally being involved in a church. God created us to be in a community and to be with one another. And it's grateful I'm in for those tuning in on live stream. But if you're in the local area of Winchester... There should be no reason not to be in our midst and enjoy because let me tell you, even though it's good on the airways, it's better in here. Yeah. The second question is, have you taken on an offense that God's not asked you to take on? You know, even the truth is offensive today. I get that. When we stand up for truth, people are going to be offended by it. I get that. But just because they're offended 
by the truth of God's word that we're standing in doesn't mean that we have to get offended at them for not agreeing with us. The Lord has helped me as a pastor over the years to come to the place of presenting the truth as I understand it and then say choose. And as I read the text of Jesus, he did the same. When people decided not to follow him or not to obey him, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't run after them. He didn't chase them down. He didn't visit them the next week and say, have you changed your mind? You know, so often sometimes and, and we can come, come to the church because the pastor's speaking and the message is, we, we expect it to be good and, and, and I'm, you know, I, I desire to preach a message that's life-giving and helpful. But you don't come to church to hear the preacher. You don't come to church to worship. See if the worship team's got it together. You come because you've been called by Jesus. You've been called to honor him. And that's why you come. So the word is secondary. The worship is secondary. And first is you come together to honor and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that should be our reason why we gather together as the body of Christ in local churches. We come to worship Jesus. And we've got to be called back to that place. That the real thing. And so Jesus says that those that love me will obey me be called according to his purpose and then the last thing is have you had a heart heart shift as a result of the external distractions and internal offenses it will you take on those things and get caught up and you will shift your heart will shift away from Jesus and you'll walk away and you'll wonder how you got there it's just because you adopted the external and the internal and you grabbed a hold of it. A fence is like a fish hook with a worm on it. The fish thinks that he's getting supper. And he becomes supper. And that's what happens when we take on a needless offense. We think we're doing the right thing and we become supper for the enemy. And the Lord's helped me years ago when I was so offended and bitter and messed up. And, uh, and one night he changed my life. That's a different story for a different time. Because I asked him to. I said, I can't change myself. But I know you can. And I'm not leaving here until I'm changed. And in one night, five or six different people praying for me. God took me through a process where he pulled out that, I would call it a corporate offense. Pulled it out of my life in about 30 minutes. And I walked out of that place a changed man. And for the next year, I stayed under that authority that I was offended by when I went to that meeting. But I was free. I was free. Stayed under the same authority for another year until God released us to plant crossroads. It didn't make a difference because I was free. Jesus had ripped that offense out. And my heart turned back. And I was a different person. And he could do the same thing for you as he did it for me. Father, thank you for allowing us to come back to the basics of what it means to obey you and the blessings that result as a part of that. You're the ones that decide. You're the one that decides. And that's so freeing. 
but it's not up to me. You called me to honor and obey and walk in your blessings. And as a result of that, you're the one that brings forth the blessings, the, the provision, the peace, and the unity. And I thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Nick